And uh, there was a quote from uh, Stephen Charnock in there that was in there this morning. It was all about worship and uh, some very good quotes. But this fits with our study. He says the nature of God is the foundation of worship. As soon as we see who God is and his person and uh, how he reveals himself, uh, we should worship. He says the will of God is the rule of worship. Uh, back then, they used to wear hats very uh, frequently. Uh, one person uh, said, uh, it's not taken off of your hat, uh, uh, but uh, what's in your heart? You, you, you don't go into a building and take your hat off, right? They used to take their hats off in the building. And uh, uh, it, it, was, uh, it was striking to me. The, the verses that we'll study, uh, God's controversy with the, the priests, uh, are striking in their nature. And... Uh, uh, I uh, feel uh, burdened even to look at the worship that I bring, and the, and the, and you will see that as we uh, go through this section. So I'd like to read uh, Micah uh, or Malachi uh, chapter one verse six over through uh, uh, two verse nine. This is the the longest section in Malachi, and uh, it's worth for us to read the whole thing. Uh, notice again the dialogue, the back and forth. A son honors his father and a slave his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is the fear of me, says Yahweh of hosts? Uh, to you, O priests who despise my name, but you say, how have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar, but you say, how have we defiled you? in that you say the temple of Yahweh is to be despised. But when you present the blind for a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Please, bring it near to your governor. Would he accept you? Or would he lift up your face, says Yahweh of hosts? But now, entreat God's favor, that he may be gracious to us. With this thing which is from your hand, will he lift up any of your faces, says Yahweh of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates, that you might not light a fire on my altar in vain. I have no delight in you, says Yahweh of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense is going to be presented to my name, as well as a grain offering that is clean. For my name will be great among the nations, says Yahweh of hosts. But you are profaning it in that you say, The table of the Lord is defiled, and as for its fruit, its food is to be despised. You also say, Behold, how tiresome this is, and you disdainfully sniff at it, says Yahweh of hosts. And you bring what is taken by robbery, and what is lame or sick, so that you bring the, so you bring the offering. Should I accept that from your hand, says Yahweh? But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says Yahweh of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. I'm going to stop there because that really gets us to the, to the core of the issues. And here is his controversy, God's controversy with the priests. Uh, the the uh, that uh, outline that used the word dispute calls it a dispute over God's honor. 
verse 6 shows us that he was dishonored. Here's the comparison. Uh, a son and a slave should give honor. A son should give honor to the father. A slave should give honor to the master. And the two questions that follow, where is my honor as a father? And where is the fear of me uh, as a master? Yahweh of hosts is used there. It's a reminder of the level of honor that should be given. We, we just read that quote. The nature of God is the foundation uh, of worship. And it's addressed, notice, to the priests who despise my name. Despise means to regard with scorn or contempt or, or regard as, as trivial or, or worthless. Instead of worship, they, they just treated it as if uh, it was something to be despised. And here is your first, but you say, how have we despised your name? Can you imagine that? Uh, raising children, sometimes this comes up, and you ask the child, did you do this thing or that thing wrong? No, no, no. We used to have Mr. Nobody at our house. When, when nobody did anything wrong, it must have been Mr. Nobody. But can you imagine God asking you a question? Why are you doing this kind of behavior? And then saying to God, or try to say to God, how have I done that? They're forgetting his uh, omnipotence. They're for forgetting who they're sinning in front of. Trapp says, not to do God right is to do him wrong. Not to reverence him is to rob him. Not to bless him is to blaspheme him. We need to draw this in the, in the sharpest contrasts. Because they just came and did their priestly work, their worship, and they did it so sloppily. Remember, we, we talked about shortcuts. Uh, some other writer named Fulgentius, somebody translated this from Latin, and uh, the paraphrase is, if you fear God only a little, you slight him greatly. How much is God supposed to be feared? Oh, to the, to the top level of fear and honor and reverence. And, and you can see uh, they're right in this, in this contrast. Here, the, God asks them a question. And they say, well, how did I do that? So there's no uh, good view of these core sins. But I'd like to bring out three aspects. Three aspects of, of how they could have looked at it or how God looked at it. First of all, there's supposed dishonor. Uh, supposed dishonor. Well, we call God our Father and Master, uh, and here we can see the hypocrisy in that, isn't it? Well, where is, uh, where is the honor? Uh, this is important, Isaiah 29, 13, and 14. Then the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but they remove their hearts far from me. And their fear of me is in the command of men learned by rote. Very common, isn't it? I'll follow these rules, but not God's rules. Therefore, he says, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous, he says, 
and the wisdom of their wise men will perish, and the discernment of their discerning men will be hidden. They won't even be able to figure out what's going on. They won't even be able to tell other people what's going on. Oh, you're supposed to be wise. Tell us what about what we should do. Mm, I don't know. God's going to confuse them. They drew near with their mouths, but not their hearts. They followed the commandments of men. It follows and goes right over to the New Testament. And this is something that should, should strike us. The book of Malachi isn't the end of the story. There's false worship in the New Testament. There's the potential of false worship in our own hearts. Our tendency is to do exactly what they did and not bring the best and not do what we're supposed to do. The disciples, all they did was didn't wash their hands. And the, and the Pharisees say, why did you break the tradition of the elders? There it is, right? That's the commandments of men. That's what we follow. They basically tell Jesus, well, you didn't teach them. And if you did teach them, they're disobeying what you taught. And you're not following up on it. So you're all guilty. And Jesus turns it around on them and says, you yourselves transgress the commandment uh, of God for the sake of tradition. And he brings out the honoring your father and your mother. And he says, you destroyed the command. Because what did they say? Well, I have some extra money, Mom, but I have to tithe to the church. I can't, I can't help you and Dad. That's what they said. I'm so dedicated to, the God, to God that I can't help my needy parents. That's the level of hypocrisy. Jesus says, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. Isaiah prophesied in that time. But now it's 600 years later, give or take. And that's what, that's what Christ applies. It's an appropriate prophecy. It's a fitting prophecy. And remember what Jesus is saying. You are fulfilling that prophecy. That's, that's important. Also, think of the discussion in John chapter 8 about whose father they were. Jesus said, God's my father. He says, you're doing the works of your father, the devil. They said, well, wait a minute. Abraham's our father. We have this physical heritage that wasn't true. So, so there was this uh, supposed dishonor. They said, well, how are we doing that? Then there's ignorant dishonor. Could they ask, really, how have we despised your name in ignorance? Were they really that ignorant of what they were doing? They're claiming ignorance. They're saying, how, how have I done that? Uh, uh, but their dishonor is, uh, is great. Here is a, a, a priest who, who is supposed to lead in worship, and they're saying, I, I, how, do, how have I violated anything? Uh, many in our day are, uh, are ignorant of God and truly honoring him. Uh, their criteria for their spiritual life is to have their ears tickled. Mm. And the church is just the way I like it. They're not thinking about the name of God that generates my worship and finding a place that, that generates worship of the name of God. Uh, third, uh, third, then there's complete dishonor. This is really uh, all, I mean, they fit all these things, but complete dishonor is like Eli's sons. Eli's sons were acting wickedly. They were, were evil and they were warned. 
but they were unrepentant. The Pharisees are the same. They were evil, they were warned, uh, and they're murderously unrepentant. Well, we don't want to hear his message. The best thing for us to do is just kill him, and we won't have to listen to his message anymore. The, the people in Malachi's day were the same. It was complete uh, dishonor. Well, then come the facts of the case. Uh, the facts of the case, our second heading in verses 7 through 9, it's the answer to the question about despising and dishonoring. And Yahweh is bringing these charges. You are presenting continually defiled food upon my altar in that you say the table of the Lord is despised. Now, did any of the priests walk around saying the table of the Lord is despised, the table of the Lord is despised. No, they couldn't. They were like the Pharisees. If we say that we didn't believe in John the Baptist, we'll be in trouble. If we say that we did, then we'll be in trouble too, because we can't escape the, the, the consequences of both those things. But they didn't go around saying it, but that's what they did, their, their uh, actions uh, and it talks about the table and the altar. Uh, Ezekiel 41 verse 22 also uh, speaks of that. The altar was of wood, three cubits high, and its length two cubits, its corners, its base, and its sides were of wood. And he said to me, this is the table that is before Yahweh. So altar and table are used in Ezekiel uh, interchangeably. It's, it's really what you would see in, in there. There's an altar and there's a table. All their worship, in a sense, is corrupted. Two terms. So completely and specifically, whether at the altar or the table, they despise Yahweh's worship. Whatever the offering was, the table was a showbread, the altar was the, the sacrifices, whatever it was. Uh, if you're at the table, you're despising the Lord's offering. If you're at the altar, you're despising the Lord's uh, offering. And then he puts it right there. Verse 6, you priests, in verse 7, he says, you. And then he says, the presenters of defiled food. You, you, know, uh, you know if you uh, cite something up, right? It's the crosshairs. You've got to put the thing in the crosshairs. They're in the crosshairs of God's condemnation right there. Keep in mind Eli's sons and the Pharisees. Keep them in mind. You see the hardness and the unrepentantness. And then there's another incredulous response. How have we defiled you? He says your actions show it at the altar and the table. And you say it, not physically out loud, you'd be stoned. But your actions speak louder than your words. It's another dialogue that Yahweh knows their words and their hearts. And he says, in that you say. The service that was to be done with care was defiled and despised. When we walk in here, we should be ready to worship the Lord and sing his praise. Even the, even the question, the question today, today was good too. Don't profane the day by idleness or do that which is itself sinful or by unnecessarily, uh, unnecessary thoughts, works, and, and, and words about worldly employments and recreations. 
You're not supposed to come in and hear the word of God and be, be thinking about what's going on at the store that you're going to go to tomorrow. You're not supposed to come in here and, and think about what you're going to do when you get out and all you're going to do with this and that. That's not, that's not the idea that you're supposed to join your heart and your soul uh, to worship the Lord. Then comes verse 8 and 9. More questions. When you present blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? When you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? He's in, he's in the crosshairs. He's drilling down to, the, to that. We don't have to look at the details of the, all the sacrificial rules to know that they were doing wrong. Here's the proposal. Here he makes a proposal. Bring it near to your governor. So who the governor was, that's some discussion. Maybe it was still Zerubbabel. Maybe it was somebody else who was in charge. But bring the same type of stuff to your governor. They'd be afraid to bring such things to a human governor, uh, but not to the altar or the table. Uh, and then comes the Hebrew idea of lifting up the face. If, if you speak with somebody, you don't speak with your face down. That would look, that would be ridiculous, right? For me to go like this. You look at people in the face. If you present somebody to somebody who is a higher rank, when they receive and say, yes, you can come, you lift your face up to them, right? In reverence, in the reverence of, of God, in the reverence of a master. Servant, come here, I need you to do something. You look them in the face, what do you need me to do? Uh, Genesis 4, verse 4 through 7. Uh, teaches us uh, about this. God had regard to Abel's offering, but did not regard Cain's offering. And what happened to Cain's face? It dropped. His countenance fell. God didn't accept my offering. What does God tell him? If you do right, will not what? Will not your face be lifted up again? Will not you be accepted and, and, and we'll have an open sacrifice. God's telling him, I take sacrifices from people. I took your brother's sacrifice. If you do right, I'll receive you with mercy and grace. I'll lift up your face. Won't you be receptive? Won't you be accepted and received? You'd be ashamed to bring such things to, to your governor, wouldn't you? Oh, governor, I, I, I brought you this sheep. And he looks down and is like, what's all, the, what's all the marks on it? How come its legs are cut up? Oh, look at the pie I made for the, for the church dinner. Well, what are those marks on the top? Oh, oh Murray was licking it and bit, bit into it. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You see what the Lord's saying to these people? You wouldn't bring that to the church supper. You wouldn't bring that to a governor. And you're bringing it to Yahweh of hosts. Right. Right. Well, it, it, my heart's been, been, been challenged all week. What do I bring to Yahweh? A, a pie with Murray's bite marks? Do I, do I bring lame animals? Something that a governor would even say, well, what is that? And my face would go down just like Cain. And I would say, well, uh, uh, it, it's, yeah, it's got a broken leg. But that's what they're doing. We'd be ashamed. 
And then here's another one, verse 9, the ironic call to prayer. It's similar to the argument concerning the governor. Yahweh shows them the dangerous folly that they're involved in. An ironic call to prayer. Entreat God's favor. Bring something to the governor that you would be ashamed of. Now, try to pray when you're wickedly despising God's worship. How does that happen? How can they expect God's favor when they defile and despise? Will God be gracious to those who blatantly sin against him as representatives of the people before the God they've failed? And then he says, the things from their hand. Everything is evil. Everything you bring is evil. And once again, the lifting up of the faces. Here, it, here it's a, a, a plural, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Will he lift up any, any of your faces? All you priests, you want to pray? You want to help the people by praying for them? If you keep acting like this and with, with the stuff that you bring, you, you won't. They must turn and do well before they can be received and God would, would lift up their face. You are professed avenues to God. Uh, one writer says this is a, a bitter flash of, of, of irony. Eli's sons. Thus the sin of the young men was very great before Yahweh, for the men spurned the offering of Yahweh. They are confronted. You, you remember what they did. They would say, if you don't give me the portion that I want, I'll take it by force. Who, who would want to go to worship in those conditions? I hate going to worship. I hate bringing my sacrifice because then they take more than what... A, who would want that bitterness in their heart? And the priests, they're priests. Would you come to me? Would you say, Pastor, pray for me if you knew that I was living in sin? What, what, what Would we come to worship if we're living in sin? Well, what are our prayers doing? They are told, if one man sins against another, God will mediate for him. But what? But if a man sins against God, who? can pray for him who could intercede for those priests who could intercede for Eli's sons the scripture goes on to say they, they, they weren't because the Lord had it in his mind he desired to slay them he was going to make them an example that's one of the reasons they didn't listen because God had it in his mind I'm going to kill these two and Eli heard it he told them but he wasn't forceful enough he should have used force and got them away from there. And he hears of their death and falls backward. They said he was very heavy. Some of the commentators said whatever they took of the good stuff, he probably got some. Just a, a speculation. For Yahweh desired to put them to death. Trapp says something that's very instructive. Height of place. Height of place ever, always, adds two wings 
to sin. Example and scandal. Right? If sin's going to take off and run its course, what are two things that puts wings on that sin? Scandal and example. It's very perceptive. Whereby it soars higher and flies much further. You're supposed to be exemplary in character. You're supposed to be an example, and you're a bad example. What happens? Well, if that person can do it, so can I. I know people that were disappointed or treated bad, wrong by Christians, and have harbored that for years, decades. I'll never go to church again. I'll never do this. I'll never do that. I know the story of a young man who, who understood that the pastor was preaching a message against his father and says he went to go to a wedding or something and he was almost trembling. It left a lasting mark on his soul. What about scandal? And uh, it offends public morality. It's dishonorable. And it, the talk spreads and spreads and spreads. What, one time when I was doing that uh, computer training and consulting, it was right in the middle of this uh, PTL scandal with Jim Baker. All sorts of stuff was happening. Everything was going on. And the, the, there was always one in every class, right? The ringleader. What does PTL stand for? Pass the loot? Pass the lady? Pass the lie? What happens? It took wings. The scandal and the example took wings. You can see what he said, what happened, and you'd be more disgusted than what the facts are. And you can see what some of these men say to get out of their sins. And you'd be more disgusted with finding out what the sins are. It takes wing. It takes flight. I don't know what I said, but there was a woman who was a professing Christian in the, in the class and said, are you a believer? I appreciated what you said. I forget. But that was all week. That was all week to hear what was going on. Will God lift up any of their faces? Uh, Isaiah uh, 52 and verse 5. So now, what do I have here, declares Yahweh, since my people have taken away for nothing? Yahweh declares, those who rule over them howl, and my name is continually blasphemed all day long. That's what it was like to be in that room. That's what it was like to be in that class. That's what it was like to go to work for a while. That's what it was like to, to hear all those things. And here, it talks about prayer. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. There's a problem with the serving of food. Pick out men who can resolve this situation, spiritual men, and the apostles say, we're not going to serve food. We have to do what? We have to pray and serve 
the word of God. It's actually, in the Greek, it's actually deacon. We have to deacon the word of God. That's our stewardship. That's what we're supposed to serve. Can you imagine if you cut the legs out of your prayer life by living evil? Oh, you guys take care of this uh, food issue. We'll just uh, serve the work. The two are connected. The two are connected. First Peter uh, uh, 5, uh, verse uh, 2 and 3. Uh, don't lord it over the flock, but be what? Examples. Examples. Do you, do you see how that should burn in our minds? Do you, do you see that you need to pray for your pastors? Be examples. You want to get to heaven? I, I'm going to follow Pastor Gary. Think about that. That's who I'm following on my road to heaven. These three men are the people that I'm following on my road to heaven. That's the way it's supposed to work. Can you follow somebody who's living in sin? Can you follow somebody who, who is a, a joke? The enemies of God are blaspheming. Paul says in Romans 2, you have the law, you Jews have the law, and you transgress, and you just give an occasion for the enemies of God to blaspheme. He quotes the Isaiah passage. Will God lift up any of their faces? And I could pray this week, God, lift my face up, get rid of everything. Get rid of everything that would be a scandal. Get rid of everything that's not an example to my people, my friends, my neighbors, my grandkids, my daughter, my son, everybody. Because otherwise it's just vacated of all real meaning. And, and God follows on. Look at this, verse 10. Stop the worship. Can you imagine that? Stop the worship. He says, I wish there was somebody who would just go up to the temple and shut the gate. Can you imagine that? It's more sarcasm and irony. Close the church. Close the church. I wish there was somebody at this church or that church or that church that would just go up to it and shut the gate. Think about it. He does not want vain temple worship. It's polluted. The sacrifices are polluted. It's consistent with, uh, with all the other passages. Amos 5, 21 and 22. I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Well, I know what I'll do on Sunday morning. I'll go there and I heard the message. I'll be real solemn. But you can be solemn without your heart in it. You can be solemn without understanding God's name or blessing God for the gospel. You can be detached. Well, God, don't you want solemn assemblies? Aren't we supposed to do that? He says, no, I hate that. Because they're done in the wrong way. Even though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. The same thing. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Jeremiah 6, 20. Your burnt offerings are not acceptable and your sacrifices are not pleasing to me. 
Isaiah chapter 1, uh, verses 11 through 15. Uh, please turn. Here, here is the, the whole package of it. Here's the whole thing. Isaiah 1, verse 11 to 15. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me? There's a question, says Yahweh. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of cattle. And in the blood of bulls, lambs, and goats, I take no pleasure. When you come to appear before me, who requires what? This trampling of my courts. Well, wait a minute. I'm going to the court of the Lord. I'm going to the place to worship. Yeah, well, you're just trampling it. Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of a convocation. I can't endure the wickedness and the solemn assembly. My soul hates your new moon. Your festivals and your appointed times, they have become a, a burden to me, and I'm weary of bearing them. Think about that picture. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, here's, the, here's verse 9. Go ahead and pray. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. There's face to face. I'm praying to God. No, you're not. He's looking the other way. Indeed, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Stirring. Stop the worship. Close down the church. Stop bringing me that stuff that's polluted. Moore says, It is therefore a burst of indignant scorn upon such attempts to palter that means to talk or act deceitfully, right? To palter. Oh, I'm going to worship. Oh, I'm doing this. To palter with God in the matter of religion. Don't talk your game. Do the game. Don't talk your worship. Go and worship. Don't just say Yahweh. Worship Yahweh. Moore goes on to say that the quote was long. He says some people play a game of spiritual calculus and they try to figure out how little self-denial and active labor a man may reach heaven at last that's what they did shortcut 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 what is the least that i can do show up uh both morning and evening yeah uh, is that all well, you should sing. Oh, all right, I do. Bow your head in prayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do that too. How little self-denial and active labor a man may reach heaven at last. But it's indignant scorn. The spiritual calculus is going in the wrong direction. It's, it's, not, it's not we should figure out how little, we should figure out how much. The, the, the hymn says, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great redeemer's praise. I could line up people from here all the way down the street. It wouldn't be enough. The other hymn that always astonished me, the, the ending is, but oh, eternity is too short to utter all your praise. You think about that? But that's true. 
for eternity, the praise of God will never, ever, ever stop. And it still will never fill it up. Here's the twofold result. It's just like what we just read. I have no delight in you, nor will I accept an offering from your hand. They're right back there where, where Cain was. I can't accept it. You, you've got to change. And then I, I think we can finish with this. Verse 11 is absolutely packed full of truth. Here's the great contrast and... and and uh, just to uh, underscore it, look for things that are repeated. Look for, look for the, the bar, if you would, that God sets in verse 11. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be presented to my name, as well as a grain offering that is clean. For my name will be great uh, among the nations, says Yahweh of hosts. You, you say, well, well, wow, it is packed. And, and everything is repeated over and over again. It is. It's packed. First of all, the time from the rising of the sun, even to its setting. When is Yahweh worshipped in all the nations? All the time. Does the sun ever set on God's worship? No, it doesn't. Someplace now it's dark. We're in the morning. Someplace it's evening. Someplace it's tomorrow. From the rising of the sun to its setting, it shows that activity is done perpetually throughout the day and every day. Every day. Not this week. Every day. Secondly, God's name. He mentions my name Three times. Three times. And that's what struck me, uh, right? Where did we start? The nature of God is the foundation of worship. It's who he is. You understand the, the Hebrew conception of a name. If you said this person's name, that embodies everything that they are. Our names are, are not exactly like that. But if you say... Arthur Richard Mink Jr., that's a, who I am. That should embody everything that, that I am. His name, the focus is on God. The worship is to be towards God, his name, three times. The scope. He uses nations twice, and he also says, in every place. So you not only have the nations, but in every place. Look at the components. My name magnified. It will be great. Two times. The verse is absolutely packed. All the nations are saying God's name will be great. They're mentioning his name. And it's all the time and everywhere. It's focused on God. And then he gives the, uh, the other components. There's incense and clean grain offerings, not dirty grain offerings, not, not sheep that are uh, banged up or, or anything like that. And it doesn't mean that everybody in the world is, is uh, burning incense and worshiping. Those are symbols. And the symbols correspond to them, aren't they? The symbols correspond to the Isaiah passage when he says, 
I'm tired of you bringing incense. I'm tired of you doing this. It corresponds to Malachi when he says that your offerings, whether it's at the altar or the table, they're just dirty, they're just polluted. And I can go out to the nations and have incense and clean offerings. It's a rebuke. It's this indignant scorn of, of what they do day by day by day. It doesn't mean that, uh, well, I, I'm a pagan, but I'll offer incense. That's not what it means. It's, they're just symbols. But they're symbols in contrast to what priests were offering. The nations, the Gentiles, that scum, those dogs. And God says, yes, and my name is great among the Gentiles. And my name is exalted among the Gentiles. Uh, the summary, the summary is this twist in the in the way that God is worshipped. Nations proclaim His greatness; His own people sin greatly. Uh, some see this verse as the anticipation of the gospel, and uh, and maybe it is. I uh, I think you know. Let, let's let's focus on what's going on right right here in Malachi. What is my worship? What's my grain offering? What's my heart towards towards the Lord? Uh, well, next week, it, it doesn't change because the, the, fifth, the fifth section, if you would, it, is just further rebukes. It's just more of the same. And, and so may God write these words on our heart, stir us up to worship him uh, in, in, in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful for this fruitful session. We are thankful for uh, this prophecy of Malachi uh, we pray that you would help us, uh, first of all, to know that you see everything that we are. Uh, we can't answer to you and say, well, well, how am I not doing this or that? And Lord, help us to present to you things that are worthy of your name. Uh, this is our desire. We pray you would uh, separate us though, from those things that would uh, keep us uh, from honoring you and praising you in the name that you should be honored and praised. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.